Well, I'm going to be talking about, you know, the building. I'm going to be talking about, you know, the size of it. I'm going to have some pictures of, you know, um, architectural renderings. Um, but we're also going to be talking just spiritually how the Lord has led and how we are to respond. So hopefully this will not sound like simply a building project. Hopefully you'll be able to see the spiritual side in all of this. It's a kind of a look back on history of what the Lord has done, what he's doing, and what he believe, we believe the Lord is going to have us to do. Um, so we're going to be spending a lot of time in Isaiah chapter 54. We'll be looking at Isaiah 54 verses 2 and 3. And enlarge my house, steward the growth is what we're going to be talking about. Now, listen, I wanted to share, um, you know, previously, but we are waiting for different elements of the plan and building and zoning. And yeah, the list goes on and on of things we're waiting for. And um, <clears throat> So we, we postponed it, thinking that we'll get some information, but we found out that it's going to take even longer than we anticipated. So while I'm not able to go into the full details of everything, because we're in negotiations and because um, you know, was, things have to go through their proper channels and be vetted out through the ordinances and all, and I don't want to speak prematurely, put pressure on people, or just be unwise. So some of the elements we're not going to talk about, but you're going to get a pretty good uh, download here today. And when, as soon as we get those, we'll be certain to pass that along. Um, as I stand here and share, I, what I, I think I definitely want you to know is that this is not my idea of what I dreamed up and now I'm standing in front of you and I've got a, a plan and here it is. This is something that has been a completely a part of the elder team digging into this, walking through the steps of um, this, praying through it, and having done so for a long time. And so as I stand here, I, mean, I can tell you that it's unanimous support from your elders here at this church. Um, the staff is uh, very behind this as well. So as we present this plan, it's, this is what we believe the Lord is leading us into. This is our confidence that God has, has led us to this direction. It's not what... Uh, we intended um, when we first started out, but as time went along and we got more information and as we continued to grow, um, yeah, the things began to change. So this is me speaking, but understand your elders are, are right here with this. So I want to begin by just backing up before I even got here. So in 1992, 1993, I was on staff at uh, Calvary Chapel Vista, California. There was a men's retreat up in the mountains, and it was a prayer time. And I just sat waiting on the Lord and sharing your verses. And as that was happening, um, the Lord laid this passage on my heart. I'm only going to look at a couple of verses, but there's much more to it than, than I'm going to share. But it's what I have time for. And I was thinking, it came on my heart so heavy. I'm like, oh, I've got to share this. I've got to share this with somebody. And... As I did, it was, it was about to share. The Lord's like, don't share this. That's for you. And I said, it's for me. And as I just, I just stopped and began to just pray through it. And as I did it, the Lord made it very clear. You're going to have to do this one day. You're going to have to do this one day when you go and plant a church. It's going to grow. And you're going to have to spread it. And it was, I mean, I was 25 years old, something like that, you know. And not planning on going and planting a church anytime soon. 
but it was definitely in our vision to do that. We sensed that call. So I went out and I, I made a phone call to Rebecca on a payphone. Uh, yeah, and it's like, what is that? Well, I, did, I, I tell you what I didn't have. I didn't have enough quarters to make the call, so I made a collect call to my house on the payphone because in my mind, I was like, the Lord has spoken to us. And we held on to this. And about a year or so later, I was on a missions trip, and while out on the missions trip, uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, listen, it is now time for you to go plant the church. I didn't know where. I got home, Pastor Brian um, said, hey, Troy, while you were gone, um, I kept waking up, praying for you, and the Lord put it on my heart, it's time for you to go plant a church. I'm like, that's what he told me. And um, Jason, our worship leader here, um, had borrowed my guitar, um, and he was leading worship somewhere, and um, so when I got back from the missions trip, there my guitar was, and he had written a note, and he didn't even know what he was writing, he's told me this now, but he's here. Um, and he wrote, hey, if you ever go to plant a church, let me know I'm your worship leader. So like in a week's time, I had this strong impression, they're in Hungary, it was time to go plant a church. Uh, my pastor confirming that it was time, and then uh, Jason just saying, hey, if you need a worship leader. And so that's, that's how it you know, began. But this passage was shared with me way back in 92, 93, and it began to be uh, pressed upon my heart. So when we came out here in 94... Uh, we came out here in August of 94. There are three or four families that were meeting in a home, praying for a Calvary Chapel to get started. And um, then when we came out, there was a handful of people that came with us to do the work of the ministry. And together, we all started doing this. So here's a, a picture of some of the group. It's not everybody, but I'm the guy in the white dress shirt with the tie and really black hair. Yeah, that's me. See what you guys did to me? See how, see how this grace, I mean, but I am glad to have hair. <laughs> friend from high school one day, this relates to nothing. Friend from high school, I hadn't seen him in 10 years, and um, maybe at least 10 years, and um, I was in town, and I go, hey, I'm going to be in town, come by and see us. So I go up to his, his house, I ring the doorbell, and um, he opens the door, and he goes, dude, you're great. First, we haven't seen each other, my best friend in high school, so you, you can understand. He's like, dude, you're great. I'm like, Dude, you're bald. <laughs> you know, so those were our first two words, uh, sentences to share. So, but I, I still have hair, but it, it used to be really, really black. But this is the team, a part of the team that's there. Um, and then this is our first sanctuary in that little building behind us. And so we were wondering, how in the world are we ever going to fill this thing up? You know, and so we did that. It filled up. It was so exciting. You know, uh, for Rebecca, myself, and many others, as I look at that, you know, some people could look and say, well, that's not much. This was like the biggest deal in our life. It was so exciting. So when I look at this, um, it brings me so much joy. It brings me so much excitement. And, and you know, listen, I love what the, the next thing the Lord does. I always love the next thing the Lord does. But as I look back, it's, I look at that and I have so much joy. Well, we outgrew. We did a renovation project there. We outgrew it. In 2004, we moved to, into this building um, on Leesville Road, which is now Hope Company's uh, uh, worship center. They purchased that from us back in uh, 2019. But we had the mauve carpet. We had golden chandeliers. We had uh, mauve pews. And it was a day of rejoicing when those things came down and went out. But... Um, we loved that place, and we, we did a lot of ministry there. Never thought we would leave, but again, we ended up growing three services, 
And then in 2019, uh, we moved over here. We purchased this entire piece of property. Um, all of the units, all the buildings on this property are, are ours. And um, this is, that's the room you're in right now. Um, so we took off the roof so it could be higher because it was only like 12 or 13 feet high. And we, we began this project. And, um, and we've pretty much come to uh, completion of what we can do without a massive change and renovation. If I like to go back to, well, and then, so here we are in 2024, and this is where we believe we're headed. So that would be like uh, Timberlake Road is to the right, um, and that would be the new worship center. And um, yeah, you can, as you look at the slide, this is my right's this way, so you're right. But um, that's it. It's uh, using all of, the, all of the square footage of this entire complex which is about 100,000 square feet. It will be about 100,000. It's like 94, I think, right now. So we'll add some space. Um, so you can just leave that slide up there for a moment. You can take a look at it. it will it look exactly like this? Probably not. I can look at, pick out three things I don't like on it. But this is where we've come to on the renderings, and it's going to look something very close to this. So we'll go into more details. But I'd like to take you back to that Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. I want to read it to you. It says, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. There's so much in here, I can't even believe it. You know, it's like, oh, did he like, just go find a verse for this project? I did not. It came to me in 1992. And it has just been there, confirmed so many times. No, no one verse or passages of scripture has been shared with me over the last 30 years, almost 30 years of ministry, than this one. Dozens of times this has happened. When we were making the big step to sell our church property over on Leesville and come over and get this one, I also shared from this passage. And I actually thought, I was like, I need to find a new passage. And it's like, I can't. This is it. This is the word of the Lord um, for what he is doing in our midst. But I want you to notice verse 3. So back in uh, 2019, when we were moving over here and purchased this and leaving our other place, um, I did not anticipate verse 3, the first phrase of it. What does it say? For you will soon be bursting at the seams. I don't have to speak in hyperbole. I don't have to stretch the numbers. You guys just drove into the parking lot. You guys are sitting on the floor. You're in that overflow room where the worship was being led. I don't know if you know this because some of you maybe always get here and get in. But there's worship in here. But there's overflow out there. And all the chairs are full right now. And they were being led by a worship team in there. And then over in the fellowship hall, no more space. So we've done, I mean, we've done everything that we know to do. Probably this coming fall, um, August, uh, yeah, August, probably going to be at four services. But don't get distracted with that. That's just, uh, there, there's no other opportunities. So we'll see what the Lord does. But that's what we're, we're thinking about. But, you know, bursting, I didn't, I didn't think when we moved over here that, you know, doubling the size of our sanctuary and having this, that we were going to, I didn't think we were going to need this. I thought, well, one day some other pastor can come along and I'll have a nice, you know, big project he can get involved in. But I've done my thing and that's it. And here we are. And um, so we are bursting at the seams. Um, so here, as we ponder this passage um, and are thinking about 
How do we accommodate? What do we do? About February of 2022, we got very serious about beginning to pray and begin to develop a plan um, of what to do. Um, and while we were praying and saying, I think we, it's time we're going to have to do something. And um, it's not going to be a small step. It's going to be something that's major. And so we, we began to plan for that. And as I, we were praying and sensing this, um, a couple people came up and they said, hey, I got a verse. I got a verse the Lord's laid in my heart. I want to give it to you. Maybe it'll make sense to you. I looked down. I'm like, Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. Oh, it makes sense. So, and, and there were many others that came. And, I, and I'm not going to read all of them. There's too much. But I want you to just look at, here's a, a little note. You can't read it, but I'm going to read portions of it to you. And then there are other, other notes that were given to me by different people as well. But this is what, uh, in this note, this is what it says. Like, the, the, the week we decide we're going to do something, this verse gets handed to me, that's been handed to me more than any other. And it goes all the way back to 1992 when the Lord laid it on my heart. And this is what it says. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide and do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. Do not hold back, all caps. Do not stop short. Battle for your birthright. Take hold of the more that is available now. No retreat. Press forward. Take what is already yours. So I don't know if this means anything to you or not, but here you go. I'm like, oh, it means something. It means a lot. And then um, February 13th, uh, 2023, I got this one. It says, don't become passive and complacent. Perceive what it can become through the eyes of faith. Lean into it. Take hold of it. Steward it. Tend to it. Draw new maps. Explore the land. Reinvent, redefine, reshape. It will require courage to step into the new, uh, major, into the new major adjustments may be required. And all of that is very, very true. And then this was... The individual had written it down in 2022 and didn't deliver, didn't hand it to me until about the same time. And it says, don't assume saying yes to one dream automatically means saying no to another. Dream big, ask big, believe big, because I am a big God. And those are the types of notes that, were, that I was being handed as we were praying and saying, Lord, what do you want? And I believe the Lord was speaking so I took this to the elders. I said, here are the things I'm receiving. Let's read these. It says that we should, one should prophesy, the others should stand back and judge. We passed them around. They read it. They're like, wow, this is the Lord. It resonated in their spirit as well because we are already kind of on that page. And this just became a confirmation. So Isaiah 54 verses 2 and 3 have meant so much. But it says in large, you know, spare not. You know, expand as much as you can. So let me talk to you a little bit about the scope of the project. And, I, and there's a, a slide that's going to come up here that's a, it's a site plan. And I realize you can't read the details, but hopefully we can figure this out together. So um, this would be the current, I'm sorry, this is the current sanctuary right there. That's where the, the purple is where the new sanctuary would go. This section is the lobby. This would be children's, well, this is our current children's ministry. This is where we would expand children's ministry. Um, and a little, uh, we have a slide of this one where you can see the, uh, what the lobby looked like. And then administration and youth center would be down there. So that, that's a lot of space. And it's actually 
Um, we wouldn't be touching this space. We wouldn't be touching the current children's ministry space or the lobby. But a lot of other stuff, some of it will have to be torn down. But it's about 75,000 square feet of change. Um, 40,000 of that would be knock it down, do new construction. 35,000 of it is don't knock it down, just renovate the inside of it and make it work. So that's, that's where we're headed in terms of scope. We, in here we see 825. Um, and there's probably here today at second service alone, probably 1,100 people. So we're well over capacity of what we can even hold. Um, and the sanctuary that we're looking at is going to be about 2,000 seat sanctuary. So we're trying to more than double it. You're like, well, that's just far too big. Who thinks it's going to fill it up? And I agree with you. I, I have had that thought, but we have more people that are coming already. We won't even be able to get into one service doing this. So, um, and, and yet this is in our current situation, that is about the maximum we can build. Not that, not even a money factor, just a space factor. So this is where we are. So what, that's the sanctuary. That's what it's going to. That's a rendering of what we believe the Lord is leading us to do. The next slide is the children's ministry uh, lobby uh, check-in. So we're going to make it fun and make it exciting. Um, you know, a lot of what we um, have uh, done getting in here was just functional. Just get it built. We've got to get in here. We've got to build the next thing. We've got to build the next thing. And there's some design for sure, but not the kind of design that we would like to, and our, our intention was always to come back and do this stuff, but now here's the time. Youth rooms, um, yeah, there's going to probably be a couple of steps for this before they're in their final place, but they'll have a, a, a much larger and nicer place even in the temporary. And then also parking, because I hear that parking is bad. Is that true? Does anybody mean? So, yes, okay. So, I've heard that. Um, you should get here when I get here, and you wouldn't have any parking problems. <laughs> Just saying. But, so, if we want to build a bigger sanctuary, you have to have more parking. If we're going to build a bigger sanctuary, we need to have more space to move around in when you get out. If we're going to build a bigger sanctuary, you have to have, you get the idea, right? We need more bathrooms. You need more children's ministry. You need more youth space. So we can't just build the sanctuary and not do these other things because that, that's just, that's bad stewardship. That's just pure frustration. So the order will be to get a lot of those other things built and taken care of before we build the sanctuary so that when the sanctuary is built and if we burst at the seams again, I'm not presuming, but if that happens, we have the capacity to absorb and minister to all that will be coming in. So that's, that's the, the, the plan. Um, but going back to Isaiah, again, 54, verse 3, um, what we read there is, For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. It has always been our heart and vision to see guys go out and plant churches, to see people go, you know, brothers and sisters out on the mission field, doing what the Lord has called them to do. And, you know, I don't know, I, I just, I didn't count it up, but I know that we've probably planted somewhere around seven or eight churches. And, um, but what's interesting is, again, when I shared this passage back in 2019, and I said, some of you remember, we want to see churches get planted, we want to send people out. And since that time, um, we've seen about four more get planted. Um, 
Uh, Jim Biggle, who was on staff, he went down to take over at Calvary Chapel in Aiken, South Carolina. Joel Denny went down to Danville and planted a Calvary Chapel there. Uh, our son Tyler Warner went down to uh, Trustville, Alabama, and they have planted a church there. And we've had teams that have gone with uh, these people. And then we have a, a missionary close friend of mine, uh, Jeff and Christina Fadness, who we support um, along with others, but they're in the process of planting a church there in, uh, in Georgia, like the country Georgia. So our desire is to occupy the other nations with the gospel and to resettle the ruined cities. And that's going to continue to be a focus. But as we see the growth, and I mean, the goal is not to like accommodate everybody. We can't accommodate everybody. So where this vision is kind of sharpened up for us um, when it comes to planting, you know, the, or resettle the ruined cities is, um, and I don't have a date for you. I can just tell you this is all part of the plan and it will come together. The Lord will show us. But it, it's enough of a thought that we entered it into our budget and we've been saving money for it. And that is to actually plant churches in the local area. And so, we're, you know, we have radio coverage that covers this whole area. We own Equip FM. I don't know if some of you know that or not, but we own Equip FM. And so our desire would be in that coverage area um, to allow other churches uh, to get planted within a 30-minute kind of direction. You, think, you can figure out some of the communities we're thinking about when you go 30 minutes. And it's to send a team down there, but to send a bunch of you with them. So you're like, well, I can't go over to Russia, or I can't go to Israel, or I can't go to Georgia and plant a church and do that. Well, can you get in your car and go down the road 25 minutes and see a church get planted in that community and commit to at least for a year? I'm going to be there at least for a year and see what the Lord wants to do. This way, we're accommodating growth here, but we're continuing to reach out. And um, if the Lord would be so kind as to continue to bless us with growth, we can spread it out. And um, these will be close working relationships with these other other pastors and churches that would be established. So th this, this passage, again, there's so much in this passage of not only what the Lord said would happen, but what we've done and just believing that this is what the Lord wants to continue to do. So you can be in prayer for that. The elders are in prayer for this. And I, I honestly, I think they're more excited about this than they are about the building. And um, so my head is full of the building and all those plans. And, but we are committed to this. We just don't know when it's going to start. The Lord will lead us and guide us. All of this is a big step of faith. It's a big step of faith. Um, there's a, an account in the Old Testament. And it's from the battle with Jonathan and the Philistines. It's 1 Samuel chapter 14. And so... Like often you read, Israel was battling some of the inhabitants of the land. Here, this time, it's the Philistines. And King Saul is supposed to be leading them out into battle, but he's like, we need a prayer meeting. Which, it's not that there was something wrong with a prayer meeting, but that was the excuse for not fighting. You probably know some people that use spiritual things, language, to excuse themselves from actually doing what's supposed to be get done. Get done. It was time to fight. They had prayed. They had sought the Lord. They had been told to drive them out, but he was unwilling to do that. Probably the reason is, is because what we read in chapter 13 and 14 is they had no weapons. What's that? Relating it to our terms, they didn't have the resources to go and do what God was calling them to do. And we find ourselves in a similar place of lacking resources. And so Jonathan is sitting around and he's ready to step out in faith. 
Remember, Jonathan's heart was knit, right? It was knit together with David because David was a man of faith. Now, when you read this account, you understand Jonathan was a man of faith as well. So when he sees David go and fight that giant Goliath, he's like, this is a kid that has the same kind of heart and desire as I do. Let's read it. It's 1 Samuel 14, verses 6 and 7. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. So let me ask you, if your leader came to you and said, hey, let's go and take on the Philistines. The rest of the army doesn't want to fight, but that's okay because God doesn't need the whole army. He can save with just a few. And then he was to say, it may be that the Lord will give us victory. Would you feel inspired or would you feel like, could you come back with something a little stronger than a maybe? And I love to say this. I believe it's true. I believe it's biblical. Faith is a strong maybe. Faith is not a fact. If it's a fact, it's a fact. Taking steps of faith is I, we believe it, that God, it may be that God is going to do this. And we have a strong maybe in our hearts and our minds. And that's why we we're sharing this with you today. But look at the response of his armor bearer. He's like, oh, I'm all in. Let's go for it. I mean, if this is what's on your heart, then do what's in your heart. And so they stepped out. When we stepped to come here, there's a group of people that said, hey, we're with you. You saw the slide. When we moved over to the building on Leesville Road, there was a group of people that said, hey, we're with you. Let's get this. And when we moved over here, the same happened. There was a group of people that said, do all this in your heart. We're with you. And, and so here we are again. And we're hoping that you will step forward and that you will step out in faith and in prayer and in belief and trusting that the Lord will even place something maybe in your hands that you don't even have yet to be able to to contribute to this. I was having all kinds of stories shared with me of how other churches, right after first service, other churches, how they stepped out and God did these amazing provisions without just how the Lord works. And I have the faith that God is going to provide and that he's going to do. So I've got a strong maybe. So will you step out? Will you, will you go with us as we move in this direction? And it is going to be a huge faith. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of money to do this. But what my wife has said to me like 35 times over the last couple of weeks, months is, Troy, it's just money. People, you know, I mean, the Lord doesn't have a problem providing money. So this is our, our step of faith. So this is what I want you to do. Before I tell you how much it's going to cost, I want all of you to gasp right now. Because if I put it up there and then you gasp after I tell you, then I'm going to get really intimidated. So don't gasp. You can gasp right now if you want to. It's a lot. No, thank you. Okay, go ahead and put the slide up. So the financial cost, and we're breaking this. I said don't gasp. You just like first service, you did that too. No, in all seriousness, I've been gasping for a long time. Um, and I'll share more of how the Lord, I'll just be candid how the Lord has worked in my heart with this. And um, so we're breaking this up into two phases. It could be three, but I don't want to do three. I want to do two. I want to do two. 
And um, so this is how we're drawing it up. If we have to, we can make adjustments. There's elements in each one of these phases that could be sub-elements um, of it. Phase one would be 14 million. I can't share with you all the details about that because that's the part that's kind of out there. Um, and, you know, phase two, the primary part of that is the sanctuary and the lobby, and that's where most of the money is going to go. It's expensive. I mean, it's expensive. You know, I think the average size, uh, the average cost of a home in Lynch, between Lynchburg and Bedford County is now 314000 So we, I mean, if you are a builder, if you've gone to Lowe's to buy a two-by-four, you know what has happened, how things have gone up in price. And so, yeah, that's the reality we're living in now. But God could have brought us into this need before the prices were higher. He could have done that. It's his money. I've told him, I think if you would have let me do this, I could have saved you a lot of money. I, you know, I, I, had, I could have worked this out if I would have known what you'd known. And, but you know what one of the elders said when we were talking about that? He says, yeah, but this group of people, referring to you, needs to see the Lord provide, just like the previous groups have seen the Lord provide. It is for our growth. Money is not the issue to the Lord. So that's, that's the cost of it. We have just under $7 million in loan and saved amount. Most of it's a commitment loan. So that gets us well into phase one. Um, but we need to bring this before you because this is where we get to seek the Lord and, and to give. Um, we're hoping to, yeah, spare no cost in phase one because if we can get phase one taken care of properly, and I realize it's vague, but you'll have to live with it for now. Um, if we can properly address phase one uh, in the beginning, it will, it's what we believe the Lord wants us to do. And so this is why we're announcing it, even though we can't give all the details, so that in the next six weeks when we're there, that maybe, maybe the Lord will have already provided. Um, so what have we been doing? Um, why don't we have more money saved up yet? Well, that's because we bought Allied, that little you know, unit right out there, the little white building. We bought the, what used to be the car wash. We bought the land where all those sheds are on it. And even the property up here, when you come in through the light, that first little parking lot on the right as you pull in in front of Big Lots, that wasn't ours. So we've bought those four units over the last couple of years. And um, so in buying those and paying down a construction uh, loan that we had, um, you know, it's a couple of million dollars, two or three million dollars right there that we've been aggressive in paying things down. And um, so that's where our money has gone is that we only have the, the cost of this building, which, by the way, we don't pay the mortgage for. It's supported by all of the other uh, tenants. So... Um, that's the Lord's provision for us. It's allowed us to be able to take care of things. So that, that's where we are with that. Um, yeah, this is a large amount of money. So <laughs> how, how have I worked through this? Well, I've worked through this by having a, a, the gentle hand of the Lord on my back. I have not had his foot <laughs> kicking me. I've had his hand right in this. You know what I'm saying? Where you feel the Lord, you're like, you feel something, you're like, I think I want to get out of here. You're like, oh, I can't move backwards. Let me, let me explain, you know, this. Because, I, you know, the, the, in my mind, since it's the money. But as I read that passage again in Isaiah 54, it actually says, I didn't write it. I didn't include it. It says, spare no expense. And so we've tried to be very diligent. As a matter of fact, is there a cheaper way to do this? Well, we looked at selling this property. 
buying new property, developing it, and building the land, and it will be millions of dollars more to do that than to stay here. Not to mention, where do we go when we sell the building? Where are we going to go? So we too believe that this is the most financially uh, economical way to approach handling all of the growth. So Isaiah 54 says, spare no expense. So when we were moving into this building, when we were in the negotiations, actually, before we even signed the papers, um, there was, it was a complicated ordeal. And um, um, so we're meeting one day for, you know, at Hardy's, you no know, Arby's down the road here on Timberlake Road. And we came to an impasse. And I said, listen, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. So if that's where we are, then, you know, respectfully, thanks for your time, but I'm done. And I um, said, well, that's the way it is. And so we said, all right, we shook hands and said goodbye. So I got in the car at Arby's, just on Timberlake Road. And I was like, man, Lord, I said, it's so good. This wasn't what you wanted. I'm out. I'm done. And then by the time I got to Waterlick Road, <laughs> it's not far. By the time I got to Waterlick, the, the Lord's like, no, you're going to get this building. I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to get the building. You, you just heard what happened. I got up from the table and I walked away. I read the book on negotiations. That's exactly what to do. This is over. This is your money. I'm not going to allow this to go on like that. And um, so we kept on driving. By the time coming up Timberlake, I got to this property. I was like, all right, Lord, well, if you want us to get it, you're going to have to make a way. So we came back to an agreement and... Um, um, and we got exactly what we thought it should be. And so we continue to work on this. But, you know, it's, it's like that hand in the back. It's like, oh, good, we're done, you know. I don't have to do this. And it's like, no, you're going to do this. So then we're well into the project. We're ready to, like, finalize everything. We're on a staff retreat. Um, um, and a handful of us decide we're going to go down to Calvary Chapel, Chattanooga. And they had built, they had bought a strip mall. And we wanted to see what they had done. So we got down there and we looked at it. And Frank, you know, is taking, Pastor Frank is taking around with the staff. We're measuring things. We're taking pictures. We're asking all these questions. And we spend the whole day there. We get in the car, take our two-hour drive back to where uh, the staff retreat was to update everybody on all the cool stuff we found. And we get one mile from that cabin. And we get a phone call from the real estate agent and said, the deal's off. And um, so I, I, you know, I hear Gene talking. I'm like, oh, this is not a good, I, you can just tell this is not good. And so I go, what, what was I? I said, ah, oh, the deal fell through. It's not going to happen. So we're one mile. So from that, you know, minutes from pulling the cabin, we pull in the cabin. Like, how was it? We're like, yeah, it was great. It's awesome. We had a wonderful time. Call everybody together and say, this is what happened. And I said, you know, tonight we're just going to pray. We're just going to seek the Lord. And if he doesn't want us to have it, we don't want to have it. And we feel the same way about this. You got to take a step of faith, but we're not. You know, it's, it's a strong maybe. <laughs> so we get together that night, and, um, it's, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of quiet, you know. Um, we're not depressed, but it just feels like the rug was yanked out underneath, from underneath our feet. And so we started praying. And then um, uh, Pastor Vernon, Prophet Vernon, um, in the middle of the prayer time, said, you know what? I believe. <clears throat> and, it, you know, so I look back on this. It makes me emotional, which, you know, how emotional of a guy I am. So that's saying something. But I look back at that and he says, I believe the Lord has said we are still going to get this building. He goes, even though everything says no, 
He goes, I just feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying, that building is going to be ours. I said, well, let's thank the Lord for it then. Let's take it. And we did. And here we are. So I, I got used to that feeling of a hand on my back when something doesn't go right to want to move and get away. And there have been plenty of those opportunities. But the hand of the Lord has been on my back and saying, no, I want you to stay right here and move forward. Let me be very clear. The goal is not to get a bigger building to get more people here. More people are already here. We need a bigger building. How big do you want the church to be? Somebody said. It's like, I never have. I can say with complete honesty, I have never had that as a goal in my mind. When we showed up in that first service, there was 20 people. That was more than I thought was going to be there. And it's been that way throughout the years. The Lord has grown. So we know we don't have a goal for a bigger building. What's our goal? Is to obey the Lord. He is the head of the church. What does he want for his church? And one of those moments where I'm trying to squirm away from the Lord in this current moment, and I said, Lord, I just, you know, my words, not good words, so just, yeah, don't think this is spiritual right now, but my words to the Lord is, Lord, I don't need a bigger church. And he's like, it's not your church. He goes, you had no say over the size of the church when there was 20, and you have no say in the size of the church now. It's mine. You just do what I tell you to do, and I'm telling you to step forward into this. And so this is, that's just being candid. That's being honest with how we've come to the place where we are ready to take this strong step of faith. So before we wrap it up, I've got two more sections I want to talk about, and this will go fast. To try and, and look at this and make a comparison from our last building to this current project, I think it's pretty interesting. Some of you will follow this and you'll see it as well. Others will be like, yeah, okay, I don't know why he did that. Well, it means something to me. Um, not the loan we have on this building, not the equity we put into this building when we sold, just the cash that we, has put, we have put into this building since we purchased it and come over here is $6 million dollars in the last few years. Six million dollars, that's a lot of money. Phase one is gonna be 14 million. That's two and a half times, well actually it's 2.333, something like that. But it's about two and a half times greater phase one of the 14 million than what we've already put into this building. So how does that relate? Well, if we make another comparison of what was the size of the body when we were over on Leesville Road, and now what is the size of the body here? Well, before the move, there was about 1,000 adults that were there. And now there's about 2,500 to 2,700 adults that come in here. That's about, you, you guessed it, about 2.5. And, and so as I look at that, that's a way for the Lord to give me just some encouragement. It's like, I've already done this. You say, but that's only for phase one. Yeah, I am very well aware of that. Um, <laughs> So what's the answer? Well, this is where we get to see the Lord do something new. That's the part where we get to see him do something that we haven't seen him do already. So we believe, Pastor Chuck has taught, I've said it, I, we hold on to it, where God guides, God provides. That's a, good, that's a good truth for you to use in your own life. So if that is true, and I believe it's 100% true, biblical, where God guides, God provides, what's the important thing in figuring out in that scenario? Where's God guiding? And this is where we believe God is guiding us. So as I wrap it up here, I want to just talk a little bit about 
what the Bible says about finances and how we're going to handle this. Because some of you are like, oh, man, another building project. You feel that way. Think about it. I mean, this is like the seventh building project for us. Um, so not, not what I'm just like, I just need another building project. That's not where this is coming from, okay? It is responding to what the Lord has done. Um, and so let me tell you before we, we read this passage what we're not going to do. You're not going to be manipulated. You're not going to get any special phone calls from us asking to give. You're not going to see a thermometer out in the lobby <laughs> or on the website. Um, and you're not going to be asked to fill out a pledge card. So other churches do it. I'm not saying it's wrong or sinful, but that is not the way we feel led. So this is it. If you feel that you're going to be a part of it, then you will give to it. But we're not going to have the pledge cards. You know, it's really hard to find a bank that will work with us by not having pledges. You probably don't know that. Some of you would. But because we don't do pledge cards, they're like, well, we can't really work with you if you don't. I'm like, listen, what we have is better than a pledge card. We'll talk to you when we have money. And we're not going to put it in front of you and make you fill it out and then to only to regret it later and have a phone call saying, are you going to be faithful to your pledge? We're not going to do any of that stuff. What are we going to do? Here it is. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. And this is the context is Paul is exhorting the Corinthians to give a generous gift so that those in need in Jerusalem could be helped out. Famine was going on. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will, have, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is one of the lengthiest portions in the New Testament about how we should uh, you know, respond in giving. And I love it. There's four points I want us to see. First of all, we are to give generously. You're hard-pressed to find any verse in the New Testament that says give a tenth. You're like, oh, good, then I don't have to give a tenth. I can give 1%. If it's generous, I guess so. That's between you and the Lord. So we're to give generously. And that is something that we'll read in just a moment. You're to determine. But we are to be generous in the way in which we give. And so, yeah, I guess if it was a tenth under the law and generous, well, you can go from there and figure out what that means. But we're to be give generously. The Lord is generous and he calls upon us who have worship him and follow him to be generous as well. As he says there in verse 6. The Israelites were called upon for the needs of their land to have an open hand. You've heard me talk a lot about this. The open hand can be filled. A tight-fisted hand cannot have anything put into it. What you have you can retain, but you're not going to get anything more. And so... This is the same principle that Paul's talking about here, about being generous and about having an open hand and not a clenched fist. God does not measure generosity based upon how much the amount is. He measures the generosity on how much is given in relation to what we have. So the most generous person, there could be others like her, but the most generous person in the Bible is who? The widow who gave two mites. Why? Two mites, it's not even a penny. How could that be generous? Because she gave all that she had. So for her, that was generous. I'm not saying give all that you have. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what you give. 
you can have a little bit and give and be more generous than somebody that gave a lot. And the spiritual principle is to just be generous. That's how the Lord is with us. We seek to be generous as a church. Um, we don't make it, these announcements all the time, but we have helped out so many other churches in their building projects in this last, last 2023. We know we're headed into one, but this is our mindset. If we get a tight fist with what the Lord's put in our hands and we don't want to help other churches in their building projects, why would we think the Lord's going to put anything in our hand? So we give. We seek to give generously to, to other churches. Um, give prayerfully. See what he says there, that you should decide in your own heart, verse 7, how much to give. We believe that giving is an act of worship and that your decision of how much to give is something that's going to be born out of you seeking the Lord in prayer and him placing it upon your heart. I'm not going to tell you how much. It's not my place. It's your place to get alone with God and let him speak to you about that. And you will find that he will speak and he will give you guidance and he will take care of you. So we're just asking, like Paul did, for you to get alone with the Lord and pray through this. Thirdly, give joyfully. It says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Don't give because of uh, reluctantly or in response to pressure. Your job is the reluctant part. My job is to make sure I don't pressure you. So where God guides, God provides. But I also like what... Um, the great uh, servant of the Lord said is that 100, uh, George Mueller said 100% information, 0% solicitation. So I'm not going to solicit you. You're not going to get pressured. Here's information. You seek God and you see what the Lord wants to do in your household, in your life with this. So it should be joyful though. Jo the Lord loves a cheerful giver. If, uh, if I came to you, your birthday party and I said, hey, uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me to the, your birthday party. Well, actually, I mean, I got you a gift. I wasn't planning on getting you a gift, but since you invited me to your party, I felt obligated. Here's your gift. Please enjoy from my heart to yours. I mean, you, you wouldn't, you'd be like, keep it, please keep it. And the Lord wants us to give to him with a smile on our heart, saying, Lord, we love you. If this is not an area in your life that you've developed yet as a, in, as a Christian, I encourage you to do it. It's biblical. And then lastly, give expectantly. What he says here at the very end is that you're always going to have what you need, but not only for what you need, but also that you have um, plenty left over to share with others. You know, the one thing that we as elders have decided is like we're not cutting the missions budget, we're not cutting staff, we're not cutting this, we're not cutting that. We've increased our, our budget for missions and other works like this because we believe that the Lord is not going to call us to do something like this and then it's going to orphan every, every mission work that we're involved with. So that is not our desire, that is not our plan. We've actually gone in the exact opposite direction just to make a statement before ourselves and the Lord. Well, the Lord is going to give. The Lord is going to, we, our expectation is to be on him as we give generously, that he will give back, and we are always going to have what it takes to continue to do the ministry and to reach out. So I invite you to be a part of this next step. A few years ago, a smaller body of believers had faith, and they stepped out, and they gave generously, and you are able to enjoy, many of you are in here, um, you're able to enjoy their, their gift and their generosity. And so I'm just saying, let's, be, let's do that for the next group of people. And let's see what the Lord will do. And just think of 
the people that will be saved, you know, bringing more people in, opportunity for more people to be saved, to be baptized, for the mission work, to raise people up and to send them out, to reach these other communities around us, to watch marriages and lives be restored. This is what we're talking about. Yeah, there's a physical side to it, but we're not going to lose focus of the spiritual. During the week of prayer that we had just a little bit ago, and worship team, you guys have gone over, so you don't have to come up this time. But during the week of worship, uh, of prayer, um, I had all of you praying on Wednesday night. And um, one of the brothers, Matt, came up and said, you know, while we were praying uh, for the building, I, he goes, I was thinking, wow, this is going to cost a lot of money to do something like this. And he goes, and the Lord put in my, he- my head, it says, it's worship to me. He goes, even when that costly bottle of, um, you know, spikenard was broken and poured out over me, it was in worship of me. And don't say that it costs too much because it's worship of me. And he said, and so he goes, I goes, I don't know if this means anything, but the Lord is just saying is not to worry about what it costs because it's in worship of him. And I can tell you it means a lot to me. I hope you can also see that perspective. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to close with a word of prayer. Um, And we'll have people up here in front. You guys can make your way up. Some of the elders are here. If you have specific questions about this, they know as much as I do, and they'll be glad to talk with you about it. Um, Again, the point being, it's not just me, it's all of us together. So let's just commit this to the Lord. Lord, thank you for what you have done. Thank you. All of us have a story to tell, Lord. I got to share a little bit about my life and what you've done here. But Lord, every one of us who follows you has a story to tell of your good works. We love you. Our eyes are on you. We trust you, Lord. We ask that you will you'll make a provision. You'll make a way, Lord. Um, we, we know we're supposed to step forward, but we lack the resources. But what is that to you, Lord? You can, you can provide with many or with few. So we take that step of faith, Lord, and we trust you. We look to you. We ask that, Lord, we'll be able to stand back in amazement and just great joy for the way you've provided. And it's in your name that we commit this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.